Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ask the Historian, and this is a very special episode. Um, and uh, as always, send in your questions, and if you have any questions regarding about what we're going to talk about today, we can actually follow up on those as well. But uh, today's episode, we are featuring an interview with Brian Ho and Nicole Mayer, who are the authors, how does that sound, the authors of Mississauga Confidential <laughs> Hot off the press. This book will be launched next week at the Heritage Mississauga AGM, and uh, and stay tuned for more details on that. But for Ask a Historian, uh, we are going to explore the creation, the concept, the ideas, the the uh, stories that went into the making of Mississauga Confidential. Something we are most excited about, and something that uh, Nicole and Brian, but Nicole, I know you can say, has been in the works for a long time, um, and uh, we were much younger when uh but uh here we are on the eve of this very exciting moment of a culmination of a project of uh, a labor of of love of pain of of time uh and uh you know here we are uh really excited to launch this this book so again for those of you turning in welcome to ask a historian and we are here again with brian and nicole for uh, to, to talk about mississauga confidential so thank you for joining us here no, thank you for having us. Uh, I, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to see you holding the book. I mean, it's it's just a, a really exciting time. Yeah. Um, I mean, you made it. Well, we're there. And uh, I, there were probably times in this process where we wondered if we would get there, or you would wonder if we would get there. Maybe that's a painful memory to drag up. But um, can you just, how did it come to be? Um, I, this was a, a project that had, you know, began in a different iteration. Uh, Nicole, Brian, you guys took an existing storyline and had this concept behind it. Um, can you talk a little bit just about the process of creation of how this thing has come to be what it is? You were there first, so. <laughs> um, well, it did start with your Darker Side newsletter series. And I wrote my first article for that series in 2011. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that continued for a few years until 2016 when I was volunteering and you suggested we should put these stories into a publication like the Lost Villages book. But I guess we had other ideas and you thankfully just let us do whatever <laughs> of um, just revisiting all the different stories trying to dig even deeper than we did the first time, find more interesting connections and sort of tie it together with the theme of um, like old film noir movies, mystery novels, the di different pieces of the whole mystery genre. Yeah, I mean, uh, like the for me, I, I came in later and it was um, like about putting a, a kind of um, a, a unifying theme of that 1940s, 1950s Pulp Fiction theme around it. And it's 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 involved even beyond that from uh, where it started to kind of encompass uh, crime writing and detective stories uh, from, you know, the beginning of the genre in the 19th century to crime writing into today. So uh, the style evolves with the stories where we begin in the 19th century with our first murder in the book and then moving through into the late 
20th century uh, with the final cases of the book. Um, so there's still that unifying theme, but um, you know, we, we wanted to like, the more we wrote, the more it kind of, we, we began to see it as uh, like a biography of the city of Mississauga where um, you know, we start with farm fields and, and the crimes that are being committed in the area at the time, Toronto Township at the time, um, involved, you know, farmers and murders of these landowners uh, by um, very often like uh, farmhands or, um, you know, uh, servants, the sort of uh, underclass, and it moves into the early 20th century to involve gangsters um, and, and, and gangsterism and roadhouses, gambling, um, bootlegging, drugs, this sort of thing as we move into uh, the late 20th century. So it really is a biography of the city. And it didn't really start like that, but it's become that. And, and um, it, it really is a unifying um, piece in aesthetics in the way that it reads, but also thematically in the way that the stories flow into one another, which again surprised us because it did start out as these articles that didn't have necessarily a connection, but um, we were able to form it into uh, something that I think is pretty cohesive. I, I think like just to, to explore the breadth of it, our, our first case, I think, is 1847 and the last case, 1986. I mean, you you, you talk it, it's it's the in a way it's the conscience of a city. It's the it's history, the darker side, the other side uh, and, and stuff that, you know, were, was probably well, in, in many cases, the front page news of the era of the day in which it, it, it happened and therefore the lives of people that lived here. Um, but not necessarily the the stories that have, you know, uh, been passed down as our everyday histories that we've come to understand. Like, you know, the, the people that were involved in crime generally don't have streets and parks named after them. So yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the, the forgotten story in a sense, um, yeah. Yeah. hidden in plain sight, maybe. But I, I think that's the, the the neat part for me, having having read this, is is that way in which you stitch the the stories together in kind of a tapestry over time. I think it's 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 really it's good. This is a very unacademic word. It's a very cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we 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 take that as a compliment for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, I think this will surprise people in in hopefully a very good way. Uh, not only the way it's written, but the the stories that are explored therein. I mean, it happened here, right? Like this is oh, absolutely the stories of it. Um, what were some of the challenges and and maybe the the the, the in the process of, of research and gathering the stories like we had those initial articles which pale in comparison to to the, the final product here because you delved into a great deal more research so can you talk a little bit about kind of the uh, the the highlights of the research process the challenges of the research process well um, i would say especially later on in the process um just even the past few years um, obviously COVID, the pandemic, um, we wanted to access certain files and certain records, um, uh, certain archives, and we could only do that remotely, um, it, where we were submitting requests for certain files, uh, whether it was to, you know, the Ontario Archives, um, you know, uh, the Library of Canada, that sort of thing, um, where we might have actually gone and accessed these 
sort of in person. Uh, we had to put in requests and and um, they were being sort of, they were working remotely for a long time. And so uh, we we had to wait for a lot of resources. So that, that was a, a big issue with um, just in terms of logistics with uh, the research itself. Um, and obviously, you know, you deal with sort of the, the issue with older resources. Um, we went to like the, um, the Toronto Library, and we wanted to access um, a newspaper, um, and just sort of having to go through that, and, and eventually they didn't have that copy that we needed, um, <laughs> simply because it had deteriorated, um, the microfilm that they had was being uh, restored. Yeah. So, you know, just like the the problems with dealing with very old things yeah. um, is, is definitely a thing that comes to my mind. Is there anything in the prose? I, I know there were things in the book that surprised me and, and uh, uh, that were unknown, but how about things that surprised you, things that caught you off guard and perhaps took you in a different direction um, that, than you had initially started out? Just individual stories, individual cases, individual people that, that percolate through? Can you share some of those with us? Well, okay. The one thing I'll say is I was surprised over and over how many times these stories became internationally uh, involved. Like we have stories that they start here or someone starts here and they go into America, they go into Jamaica, they go into Australia. Like it's a global thing that some of these stories are affecting people thousands of miles away. And people at the time wouldn't know really because it's just such a smaller communication um, means there's no internet right. um so just generally that yeah i mean um and then it's kind of related to that but like for me um in in general I, we we would have the article for example um from uh the heritage news um and we'd be like, okay well you know we've got we've got something and, and it's pretty much all there and then we'd we research it and and we'd be able to find all like there's something else there's a connection like just a little bit more a little bit more and, and like inevitably every article there was a moment where we we're like did you see this like we found find this thing and it's like i can't believe i just read this and it's got to go in the article and it, it it creates kind of like this anchor for the article um and and the, it, it was just so enriching the research process because you know it, it really is like an investigation where you're you're trying to piece together this puzzle of history and and create this through line so that you're able to write this narrative of a particular story and it's it's funny how even just the smallest spark like the smallest thing creates this huge journey like for me the story of uh, police chief Garnet McGill, um, who was uh, the the police chief of Toronto Township from the end of World War II, you know, right through into uh, right through into the '60s, and you know, it, for us, we he wasn't on our radar at all until about eighty percent through the writing of the book, and we were reading um, a, a book by Jocko Thomas, one of the um, crime reporters for the Toronto Star. Um, and he he mentions um, Garnet McGill 
um, just briefly in relation to um, the gambling houses that were sort of around the province at the time, the 1950s and the 1960s. And I'm like, oh, this is an interesting, like, we, I guess I'll just take a look into this. And what happened was it became the basis for one of our biggest chapters, because I just kept finding more and more stuff um, on Garnet McGill, the roadhouse, uh, the the gambling houses, uh, specifically uh, the Center Road Veterans Club here in Cooksville. Um, and it, it sort of snowballs to the point where it's bringing in figures, just like Nicole said, internationally. So this is a gambling house in Cooksville, but it's bringing in mafia figures from the United States, people like Stefano Magadino in Buffalo, people like the five families in uh, New York, people like Johnny Papalia, head of one of the most powerful crime families in Hamilton, uh, eventually, um, people like the Detroit Mafia. And it's all coming together here in this one place in Mississauga at the time. And um, for me, it, it, it eventually it's an article that involved 500 plus articles um, you know, tying it all together. And it, it started with that one sort of mention in this book. So for us, it was extremely uh, fascinating. And in, inevitably, every single article involved that moment, maybe not to that extent, but again, uh, in a moment where it's like it opens up a new branch, it's like opening up a door, um, you know, and, and you're able to walk through it. And in and, and there's another hallway that you have to search through and, and open up more doors. So um, the, the research process was like for me, um, like as somebody who's not as used to it as, say, you or, or Nicole, because you two are historians um, and, and I see myself more as a storyteller, but like the for me, the research process was extremely gratifying, and and that really surprised me a lot. I was going to say, I, 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 from my perspective, not being in the this this uh, additional research, the incredible research that went into this book, you're kind of like a dog with a bone. You keep following it, right? Like you're digging, digging, yeah. digging. But I love your metaphor of the of the long hallway and the doorway because you know I don't want to give too much away, but I would say there are two moments in this book that blew me away. Was the I knew a little bit about the roadhouses, although the Plaza Lodge shocked me um, in terms of its its uh, CD, CD stories and considering it was on our landscape for so long. But the tie-ins to Mickey McDonald um, and 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 his adventures, as you call them, um, but uh, that long hallway with the door that leads to a very dark place, the Philip Rumbold story, to me, st stands oh, yeah. out as kind of that 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 opening to a very nefarious world that is still yet this unsolved little thing that happens here. Not, I don't want to say little thing, but again, I don't want to give away, but for me, just to let, put those kernels there, those are, are stories that really hit hit hard, I think, and, and really opened my eyes a little bit to, to the wider story, wider tale. So kudos on telling those. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, the, the Rumbled murder is, is a great example of it, where what's reported in the newspapers is like the very tip of the iceberg. And as you say, the rest of it, what's hidden with that, we're able to find by digging through the OPP police records of the investigation really uncovers a dark, dark secret um, held with 
in that story. So um, no, that's that's a great example of of uh, exactly what what was happening throughout you know our our research into uh, a lot of these stories for sure. And and I want to if anyone listening to this, I think if that doesn't grab you to want to read the story of that story <laughs> itself, I mean, there's a good one. If like go down this rabbit hole and see what you can find out. Um, the um, are is there anything? Uh, is there anything that continues as a mystery to you that you you know that that you touch on in the book, but it remains unsolved, remains fascinating to you that you 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 wish there was more there? Uh, I just wrote an article this week on comparing the 1952 gold heist to uh, to what we just heard recently from uh, a week ago at Pearson. But is there anything like that 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 kind of sticks with you even to this moment of of an unresolved mystery? I mean, the rumbled one for sure, because you have the police files, you see the threads that they're kind of chasing. Some of them seem plausible, but it's like, what happened there that stopped them from pursuing that line of questioning? Because nothing, it's never solved. It's a murder that's never solved. And, but it seems like they're, they're on to something like, because we have their notes. It's just, I would say you know, <laughs> this is for speculation on our part, but like, I would say I personally have a clear suspect. I would say the police have a clear suspect, but you're absolutely right. I mean, like they drop the investigation and they're asked to drop the investigation by the victim's family. And there's a lot of, like, you can, I would say read between the lines, but it's one of those things that, you know, it, it, it becomes just, lost to history and there's there's a certain amount of that in 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 some cases it's a it's a reoccurring theme um that we touch on in the book where um there's there's only so much you can know and with the passing of time you just sort of have to accept that that puzzle is going to remain a little bit incomplete that there are pictures and pieces of the the picture that aren't going to be filled in and that's the case even when like a murder is 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 solved where you have you know a a suspect that suspect is arrested put on trial in in some cases um convicted and in 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 some cases executed um there are a couple of cases in the book where the evidence really sort of um, it is circumstantial, is incomplete, it's flawed. And you do wonder, oh, should this person have been convicted? Um, did this person get a fair trial? Is this person someone who should have been executed? And, and what sort of are some of the motivations behind some of the decision making around that? So there are some cases like Stefan Swirda, Walter Zabalotny, um, a couple of cases from the book where it's like, well, did they get the right man? And there are also cases uh, like the murder of Joe Kong, who was um, uh, ran a laundry in Streetsville, uh, and he was murdered in Streetsville, where the the case wasn't pursued, even when they did have clear suspects and they did have um, witness uh, testimony and witness evidence um, tying the two suspects to his murder the case wasn't pursued and so there are questions like that that even with the sources that we have remain incomplete and you have to kind of 
um, to a certain extent, except that you're never going to get the full answer. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's it's kind of necessary um, when when writing a book like this, I think, where you have to sort of accept that, you know, the picture that we have is the picture that we have, even if it is uh, incomplete at times. Yeah. I can say I'm sure it's far and few, far between, but the uh, nefarious characters in our underworld seldom left biographies behind. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> even, even Mickey McDonald, when he did write an autobiography, yeah, it, he, it, he destroyed it. So there you go. And and the story of Mickey McDonald still, considering how documented and colorful he is, I never knew that that figure connected to to us in in terms of Mississauga. Um, but you know that he himself ends up as an unknown, right? Like a, yeah, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, um, you know, like I we really see him because so like it, you know, he's Canada's public enemy number one, yeah, the the most wanted criminal the very first, first most wanted criminal by the RCMP because he he escapes from prison and, and just disappears and um you know you you do wonder if it's like you can imagine sort of these scenarios where he is kind of like you know uh just sort of disappears and and he lives uh you know a quiet life on some farm in Nebraska <laughs> but um or he's you know murdered in 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 a shallow grave somewhere um it, it it's these it's these unknowns that really kind of add to the to the mystery and to the mystique of uh, a figure like Mickey McDonald and and um you know it it's it's interesting again like like you said at the beginning that um, a figure like this, uh, who's notorious uh, throughout Canada um, and, and continues to be notorious to this day. I mean, he became a criminal at the Plaza Lodge in, in the Chicory Inn here um, in, in Mississauga, in Port Cret, or in Clarkson, rather. Um, and, you know, it, in a way, he is our <laughs> one of Mississauga's least favorite sons. And, and, and he's, he's, um, you know, he's definitely a big part of our book. And then even to go back to the surprising part, like for what, what's interesting is that a lot of these figures keep appearing That's throughout good. different uh, cases where, you know, a, a figure like Mickey McDonald, a lot of the gangsters in the 1930s and our, our, our stories in the 1930s, they appear in three or four, five sometimes uh, articles in the most unexpected ways. I mean, um, Mickey McDonald is is one of these uh, characters. Um, Johnny Papalia appears in uh, Garnet McGill and the Center Road Club, but then he appears again in the Peter Demeter case, just spontaneously just pops up. And it's like, what? why is this person here? Um, and and it, it feels like there's this sort of like really tight knit quasi-incestuous kind of, you know, um, uh, sort of underworld where everybody just knows everybody, you know, they like I, have conventions and meetings. <laughs> I, and so, and some of the colorful names that come out, you got, uh, was there Bingo Beasley and B. Canoe oh. and, you know, like, like all these, 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 uh, you can picture the, the, the times and then you, I guess the hero in our story becomes in a, in a, in a sense, uh, Chief McGill and, uh, you know, like the, these people that, uh, tried to, uh, uh, chart a different course or, or make sure that the darker side didn't, uh, 
take over everyday life in, in, in cases. So I just, it, it's amazing what you've done and, and to, to read the book, I encourage everyone to pick it up. But if you had to make a sales pitch, if somebody said, you know, what do I expect with this book? How, what do you, what would people expect when they pick up this book? Well, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> Other I than hope, a good read. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I, I definitely hope they find it first and foremost, entertaining, and they will find it entertaining. It's, it's as you said, it, it's not an academic book, and it was never meant to be an academic history. Um, it does have copious amounts of endnotes, um, I, I will say, so definitely proud of that. But at the same time, you know, uh, as much research as we did, um, and as much as it, it's, it's all based on fact, um, we were trying to tell a great story and and um we would want to be true to that sort of pulp fiction you know inspiration of it where it feels like you're reading through a really compelling you know um detective magazine from the 1940s so you know just on a stylistic on a stack level um you can definitely definitely expect that um but i think for for us it's these figures like Mickey McDonald, his wife, Kitty Cat, um, you know, the Campbell brothers, um, the Banwells, uh, the couple who who yeah. robbed a bank on their on their wedding day. <laughs> um, even even like just sort of like twisted characters like a Peter Demeter. You know, we've we researched these figures for so long that we feel we know them. And in a, in a weird way, they feel like family. <laughs> I know it sounds it sounds very bad to say that, but like it, you're gonna have an interesting it, family reunion. It's very, yeah. very interesting. Well, there you go. That's 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 where it is. That's the book. It's it. But um, like, yeah, it's it's just a strange family history. But like, it, we we've come to kind of like understand these characters, and yeah, in some cases really love these characters and, and and love the stories even when they're doing very bad things like we love these stories so much and we're we're so passionate about the stories and in the journey that these stories um like led us on to research and to write it and i we we just hope that the the readers ha like have that same love of this subject you know after they read the book and and even for us too like just even living in mississauga like it's created in us more love of the city you know that we live in because it's it's like i don't know how to but, but um you it doesn't make you hate the city like you think oh crime the city's this is bad bad stuff happens in the city it it doesn't like you you drive around and then you start recognizing places oh that's where the bank was robbed in poor credit oh that's where this murder happened i know this again that sounds weird but like it just connects you to the city in such um a, a deep and profound way that you can't help but appreciate it even more um and and like I, I I hope even beyond the topic of true crime that um you know the whoever reads it and, and lives in a saga really understands that you know 
the importance of local history and heritage and that it's not boring and that is that it it does live with us and it does have an impact on today it will continue to have an impact you know uh in the future and whether the topic is true crime or 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 a, a different aspect of local history or a different story a different group's perspective like all these things are there they just need to be investigated researched written about talked about and i feel like that's what you know you're doing heritage is doing you know and 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 we did this little part of it here with this book well you know Part of, I, maybe I'll stumble on my words a bit, but part of getting uh, people caring about and connecting them in the place they live is being curious about the place they live and exploring that. And this book is an incredible example of exploring that curiosity um, and, and connecting to the place in which you live, the geography in which you live, the people that lived here before us, in some cases, while well, we've been here. Uh, like, like, like I said, it, it's stories of the, of the darker side of, of, of murder, crime, punishment, uh, etc. But it's also the a biography of the city in that sense as well. And, and I think that in, in, in that realm, what a home run you guys have done an incredible job with this um i can't i i had i had a, an idea which you guys ran with and and turned it into something incredible and so i can't uh encourage anyone more than this that to pick up the book mississauga confidential uh murder scandal and crime from the city's darker side uh it is uh, uh being launched on wednesday may 31st 6 30 p.m at the street smell kinsman center at here this is uh, heritage mississauga's annual general meeting you have a chance to meet the authors and buy the book the book is available for 25 dollars, and uh it is literally hot off the presses uh it's been a labor of love over many years uh um, and uh, many gray hairs since then, but uh, we are uh, we are uh, so excited to uh, welcome this into uh, the the uh, treasured stories and histories of the city of Mississauga. So, thank you, Brian and Nicole, for everything you've done and everything you continue to do. Um, and uh, seeing this book come to life, uh, kudos to you and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And for everyone joining us here at Ask a Historian, again, check out the book uh, when you have a chance. Uh, it's available through Heritage Mississauga. It'll be in our library systems. Um, uh, contact us for more information. Come out to the AGM, and I'm sure at many times through the year, you'll have a chance to see Brian and Nicole in the community uh, giving presentations and talking about the book. Um, it is well worth checking out. You can also check out the uh, podcast series, Mississauga Confidential, on Podbeam uh, that uh, Brian and Nicole put together in uh, anticipation of the book coming to be uh, so a lot of those chapters episodes if you will are on the podcast but the book itself what a treasure gem uh, and here it is in our hands and uh, very much looking forward to the city seeing it sharing it reading it and talking about it so again thank you for joining us at ask a historian uh, brian nicole thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for having us